Oh, hello. Hey. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. I've been stuck in a redundancy. Please help. <laughs> All right. All right. Just flick a pencil in your direction. Yeah, there's like a reset button. You gotta get. You have to like unfold a paper clip and stick it in while you touch my nose. <laughs> I'm a real person. I'm a real person. Man, it's a good thing people don't have reset buttons, or we'd be using them all the time to just shut people up. Yeah. Yeah. I know a few people. Oh, my throat just made a weird noise. I was like, was that you? Uh huh. Yes, it was. <clears throat> oh, boy. We are back with Goose Chase. More Goose Chase. More, always more Goose Chase. Never ending Goose Chase. Mm hmm. More Goose Chase always. Uh, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm very exhausted. Yeah. But I'm always exhausted. I never stop being exhausted. Yeah. This is a, this is a challenging day. I just like, I feel like I've just funneled caffeine in, into my head all day and got nothing out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Like a half a pot of coffee. Caffeine in, urine out. That's yeah. all. That's what they say. That's yeah. the expression. Uh-huh. It is not. Um, <laughs> oh. uh, so what's new? What do we got here? Let's just get into it. Um, well, I told you earlier, but I think it's funny and I should share it with everybody else. Um, today I answered a call at work. Well, I was, I usually answer the phone while I'm like in the middle of doing something else because I have a very multitasky job. So this time I was doing that, but my head was like somewhere else entirely, I guess. Because when I answered the phone, instead of saying, my place of business, Christy speaking, how can I help you? I said, can you, can you verify your address? Yeah. Which is what I say when I sell prescriptions. Yeah. What I like about this is that the person who's calling you is immediately accosted with, where do you live? <laughs> yes. Imagine you call a place and... The first thing you hear is verify your address. It's like, where are you? <laughs> oh, fuck. It's like, eh, slow down. How about asking me what's up? I, how about that? I heard myself say it and then just went, what? Like, I stopped and laughed and went, I mean, thank you for calling. Mm -hmm. Chrissy speaking. How can I help you? And then I started laughing so hard, like I had to start again. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, you thought you were at the drive-thru. And I was just like, quite frankly, I have no idea what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> nothing going on in there at that moment. It is weird when you do something like that, where you just kind of like slip into like robot mode. Yeah. It's I am a real creepy. human. You are a real human. <laughs> it, 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 it's just weird, like that. That like your brain's ability to go on autopilot is so impressive, and produces really weird results. And that's a question I ask a billion times a day. Yeah, right. And my coworkers were laughing so hard, and then I got off the phone, and my pharmacist was like, "I want you to know, we weren't laughing at you. We were laughing because we've all done that so yeah. many times." And I'm like. I am not offended that you were laughing. I was laughing. It's yeah. not the first time in my life I've done something like that. But it was so bizarre because it's the first time I've asked someone for their address. Yeah, right. <laughs> instead of, like, telling them who I am. It was strange. Yeah. My brain just broke a little bit. I think it happens to all of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I did something else weird. Oh, I almost threw a bottle of pills away that did, still had pills in them. Like, I almost threw an open bottle of pills in the trash because I thought it was empty. Okay. And I was like, what am I doing? Is, I'm guessing throwing away medication is not protocol. No. And okay. the bottle was open, so I was literally going to throw it in the trash can behind me. So I would have thrown pills everywhere. Oh, my God. There was maybe only 20 left in the bottle, but still. Yeah, right. It wouldn't have been great. No, I don't think so. All I did today was spill medication and throw things on the floor. I'm convinced <laughs> of it. Like, I was a mess. Yeah. And I told them Chris's pineapple story. Oh, my God. Did we even talk about that on the podcast? (laughs) I can't remember. That cracked me up. That was so weird. I told him that because uh, someone went to pick up papers from the printer, but instead threw them on the ground. Yeah. And then we had that conversation. Well, in case we haven't talked about it on the podcast, we had people over a couple of weekends ago. My buddy Chris picks up a piece of pineapple, says, is this pineapple? And then... As he's dropping it, slaps at it to try and catch it, and just like basically spikes it into the floor. From an observer's perspective, it looks like he went, "Is this pineapple?" and then just <laughs> threw, threw it, it on the ground. Just aggressively. Threw it to the ground as angrily as possible. Man, oh, calm down! You don't have to eat the pineapple. Yes, this is a pretty extreme reaction to pineapple. The most extreme reaction to pineapple I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. It's pretty funny. I love it. Yeah. So there's that. That was my day. Yeah. Um, we went to two weddings last weekend. Mm-hmm. We did. Both were lovely. Yep. Both were very different. Yeah, they were. They were both really different. They're, you know, kind of far from each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first one, we didn't go to the actual ceremony, so we can't really compare that. Right. But the second one was outside. It was a lovely day, and it was short, and it was sweet. Yeah. The way I like it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really nice wedding, and it's, uh, I really like that, uh, what's the name of the venue out there in Western Reserve? Drake's Landing. Drake's Landing. It is very nice out there. It's so nice, it's like, it's right on this little lake, so you have this gorgeous view, you know, and you And they did the ceremony at the same place they did the reception. Which is awesome, because you just basically- You don't have to go anywhere. You turn around, you get a, you get a plate full of cheese, and you await the rest of the thing. Yeah. Um- it was a super nice Yeah, because time. it was there, and there was going to be time before they were ready to have the actual reception, mm-hmm. they do that little cocktail hour thing where there's like yeah. cheese and meats and grapes. And, and a bar. And a bar. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah, so, was yeah really that nice. was all the second wedding. The first wedding had a food truck. Yeah, it was a, a barrio, barrio taco food truck. truck. I, didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. That I didn't surprised either. the hell out of me. That Barrio had food trucks. It was nice. Yeah, it was cool. And they had like a pretty small-ish like reception, so it was feasible to have people go stand at a food truck. And there were only, it wasn't even maybe as many options as they would normally do. Mm -hmm. It was like four options. Mm -hmm. So pick. What you want, go stand in line, and you could get as much as you wanted. Like, you want 10 tacos? You could have 10 tacos. Yeah. You just have to stand in line and order them. It was nice. Uh, I have a piece of information, which I've been debating on whether or not I want to share on this podcast, but it's relevant to the podcast, (sighs) so I'm going to do it. All right. Even though it is disgusting. Okay. Uh, uh, John McAvee. 
Yes. Um, so I, today, while I was working, you know, I pop things on Netflix while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Today I popped on a documentary called Gringo, which is all about John McAfee. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. Um, it was kind of weird to watch because it steps through basically everything we talked about in a like yeah. really similar, you know, because I guess when you tell the story of a thing, you know, it's going to sound the same, you know, more right. or less. Um, uh, but one thing that freaked me out and that I did not realize about John McAfee was the ex- like the exact nature of the, the relationships he had with all these girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Apparently, John McAfee just wants to be pooped on. That's his whole thing. Okay. That's like all of it. That's in into his mouth. Oh. Yeah. That freaked me out. That's the thing that somebody is into. Yeah. Well, it's Specifically like, it, it McAfee. Like seeing the girls talk about it because they interview all these girls. And they're like, did he ever like try to have like, you know, like regular intercourse with you? They're like, nope. Nope, not at all. I also, I don't know. So that's something you can't unknow That's now. kind of weird because it's like, on the one hand, do you have more power if you're capable of getting someone to poop in your mouth or less power if you have poop in your mouth? I don't know how it works, but it feels like it's a power game. It's so weird. I just don't know if you win or lose the power game if you're John McAfee. I don't know. And that's your thing. I feel like he thinks he's winning. It, it really does feel like a power move, right, though? Like, that's not a thing a lot of people would be comfortable doing. Yeah, like, so none, of, like none of those girls were comfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah, like, none of them. Like, huh. like, he would, like, be like, okay, please just lay down on this hammock. There is a hole in the hammock. Oh, he had a hammock he with had a, poop a poop hammock. Hole. Yes. Poop hammock. That's... And I guess on one hand, it like protects whoever's on the top of the hammock from really having to experience too much of what's happening on the bottom of the hammock. Could I poop in a hammock? I that's a great question. I don't know if I like could poop laying down. Laying down. Yeah, that's not biologically. Don't you need the sort of like how a you're meant to poop? Gravity assist and some, you know, like the gotta like. Now, if it was some kind of swing that like embraced you in squat position. <laughs> that would be easier. You mean like 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 one of those tree swings, like you'd like sit in, like uh. I'm thinking like, um, like one of those park. You know swings when you put people both do like through. silks, when people like aerial performances on silks, yeah, and they like wrap the silks around their legs, and then they can kind of hold themselves there. Yeah, I'm right. thinking something like that. Okay, where like your leg, your knees are above. Your right. hips, and you're in, like, squat position, but in the air. Yeah, but the, the disadvantage of this is you still see the person right beneath you. This is why poop hammock might actually be a good idea. Yeah, but if I'm facing, I'm, like, sitting in the air, facing forward, unless I look down, I'm not going to see them. I'm yeah, hovering above them. I guess so. They're blocked by you, but it kind of depends, I guess, on the orientation of how they're laying. If just, the, you know. <laughs> Running a lot of thought into this thing really that am, we're no. never going to do. No. But now I've just, I've thought so much about the logistics of it that. If you've used a poop hammock, <laughs> let us know what you think about it. <laughs> I thought that was a uh, a detail that the listeners of this show 
would really care about. You know, it's not the facts that you wanted, but it's the fact that you deserve. It's the, you know what? Honestly, you deserve it. You really, you deserve to know. So that was a thing. Well, that was a hot take, a hot steaming take on John McAfee. <laughs> a hot make. Oh, I hate that term. What for pooping? Like, yeah, gotta make. I don't like it. Because it's already just, been made. Okay. It's been made. Like, you don't have to make... Oh, excuse me out. I can't really wow, tell you why. I just learned something about you. Mm. Damn it. That's, don't like it. That's really funny. Not into that. <laughs> All right. We watched a movie recently. <laughs> <laughs> Changing the subject. Yes. Which movie? We oh. watched Lady Bird. Yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, written by Greta Gerwig. Semi-autobiographical. Okay. And uh, what did you think of it? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought that uh, I thought that movie had an emotional authenticity to it that is pretty gripping. I think it did a thing that doesn't always work, but when it works, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It was like a slice of life movie. It was like Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. One of those movies that, like, you're just seeing a snippet out of people's lives, and when it's done well, it's incredible, and it feels authentic, and it leaves you wanting more, but also feeling like you've seen too much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I thought this movie was realistic, authentic. It felt like you felt every... I felt every part of it. I felt the frustration of... Her mom, yeah, and the love of her mom, but mm-hmm. also like the frustration of her for the way her mom expressed things, like, yeah, and I understood both sides. It was almost a little painful because oh, it was, it was absolutely very painful. real. Like, there's big chunks of that movie where it's like you are you are trying to do the right thing for someone in the most painful possible way, and that's yeah. hard to watch. Yeah. Um. I hated the ending. Um, I know I still, you did. I still hate the ending. I didn't hate it. Oh, it was fine. <clears throat> it just, it to me didn't feel like an actual resolution of any kind. Well, that's why I'm saying it is one of those slice of life movies. Because yeah. there often isn't a resolution. Uh, yeah, but It's just, just this is the, the little piece of the scenario you're getting to see. Yeah. I just feel like they could have, they could have tied it up somehow more... Made it feel like Maybe. at least the end of a chapter better than they did. Maybe. I don't know. That, that always kind of bugs me. Yeah. When, when a movie ends and you're just like, but wait, that's the end? <laughs> well, well, what now? You know? Didn't, well, I'm not going to give away the <laughs> ending. Never mind. Not going to do that. What, to the, to the movie? The, yeah, no, yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that while we talk about why it's good so that people watch it. Yeah. Um. No, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, me and too. everyone who watches it seems to like it. it. Has really, really good reviews. Yeah, it's pretty well liked. Yeah, uh, the best friend role. That girl is so freaking awesome. She, I think, she was the probably the best performance in the whole movie. Honestly, she was adorable. Yeah, the best friend role is like you know, like a it's, it's a supporting actress role. But I really think she's basically the real star of the movie. Secretly. Yeah. 
Well, she's a lot more likable than the main character, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's just like the cut and drive it. Like these are very flawed characters. And since it's about the the titular titular role ladybird. Yeah. Since it's about her, you get a lot more of her. Mm-hmm. So you see flaws and like her good points, but you see everything and a lot more of it. Yeah. The best friend role, it's not the movie's not about her. So you don't see as much of her, so you don't see like the nitty gritty of like her being a jerk or something. She's sure. just like a also she does come off as just like a nice person, but Yeah. But yeah, it's it, she's way more likable than the main character because of that. Sure. You're seeing all the good bits. Yeah, I think so. I enjoyed it. I suggest it. Mm-hmm. Watch it now. Oh, that's that's a very forceful recommendation. <laughs> Where did we watch that on? It was on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Prime Video for free. Uh, if you have Prime, you can get it. It's pretty good. It has Laurie Metcalf, and I love everything yeah, she does. She's great. Yawn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm letting down the team. <laughs> that's all right. I have a roller derby bout this weekend. Mm-hmm, which I will not be at. No, <clears throat> you won't. No, I will be out of town. You will be bacheloring it up. Mm-hmm. Bachelor party in D.C. Woo-woo. It's going to be a pretty exciting weekend. I'll probably have some cool stuff to say about D.C. next week. I've That's never, I've cool. I've never been to D.C. If you guys are thinking of going to museums, yeah, I will say... The Natural History Museum is one of my fucking favorites. <laughs> and the, um, oh God, the Aeronautics Museum. Yeah. Aeronautics and Space Museum is like right next to it and also really fucking good. Well, we only have really kind of one day in the city. Yeah. And Matt has some ideas already about what he wants to do. So I'm not sure how much wiggle room there actually is, but I will consider mentioning those because. If we have extra time, it'd be really cool to. I really like the idea of a natural history museum. It's, it's very cool. Great. When I went on the trip in um, eighth grade to Washington D.C., I loved the natural history museum then. And then mm-hmm. I went back years later for a conference when I was in grad school, and I went again to that museum and still fucking loved it. It's yeah. just really great. There's a room of just like. Every gem imaginable. Right. Like, in like examples of them, like you could look at them, and some of them I think you could look at under microscopes and see the crystal structure, and it's just like really sweet. Yeah. It's something about that I really like. That's awesome. And um, I bought a geode, and then my brother stole it from me, so I bought more the next time I went. Where is that geode now? I think he still has it. He better still have it. If he still has it, I'm not going to say what I'm going to do. In case he listens. Okay. You just live in fear of me taking my geode back. Like there's like there's multiple <laughs> methods other than picking it up and walking away with it. Well, I had a specific plan. Oh, okay. I just have yet to enact it. Okay. It takes some um some spying that I haven't done yet. Old scheming geode port. Yes, that's me. Yep, add it again. But you and I should go to D.C. sometime. Yeah, that's uh, that's on our agenda. Honestly, I think uh, after our trip to Baltimore, when we, we went to Baltimore and uh, had talked a little bit about D.C., I think it's it's been something I wanted to see anyway. So 
I love DC yeah. as a city. It I don't know if I would necessarily want to live there, but it was a really fun place to visit. Yeah. And when I went, it was like obviously for a conference the last time I went. So we did a little bit. We had a little bit of downtime, but not as much as maybe I would have wanted. So yeah. I didn't quite get and you I was like with a big group of people and yeah. they were like grad school people. They were great people, but like not necessarily close friends that you have like all of the same preferences for food and what you want to do and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was kind of a little hard, but I uh, I don't think I'll be I doing any it. of the tourist stuff in DC. None of the I mean we won't Aside really have time museums. to do that. Oh, you mean this time. Yeah. I we won't have time to do things like go see the Lincoln Memorial or much of the the National Mall. We really won't do probably that much of that. The last time I went to DC, I didn't do any of that, but the first time that's why we went, you know. Yeah, sure. So You didn't get to go on that trip? What trip? The middle school trip to Washington DC. I don't remember that even being an option and we didn't go to the same middle school. Yeah, but I thought that was universal. I don't remember it ever coming up. And if it did, it was probably, nah, can't afford it. You're not going. <laughs> well, it also could have been that in 2001, were you in high school? eighth grade? You were in high school. Okay, yeah. never mind. No, not 9-11 related. Nothing to do I, with 9-11. I knew some people who like said they didn't get to go because probably. 9-11 happened. Yeah, that would change a lot of people's minds about going anywhere like that. Well... In middle school, at Austintown Middle School, back when that was a thing. Yeah. And it was, there was Frankel was one of the middle schools, and then Austintown Middle School was the other one. Mm-hmm. I went to AMS, and in eighth grade, you got to, I think it was eighth grade, if you wanted, and your parents were okay with it, and you had the money to do it, you took a bus trip to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and stayed there for a couple nights. Did all the touristy stuff, um, went to some museums, ate crappy food, <laughs> yeah, and then came home. It was a good time. Yeah. I Bless whoever <clears throat> thought that that was a thing that should happen, because like know. a group full of eighth graders on a bus, like yeah. for like five hours at least. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah. It was a fun time, though. It was a good trip. Yeah. Civics comes alive. (laughs) Ooh. So, yeah. That's a thing. You're going to D.C. Mm -hmm. I have a roller derby bout. I'm not playing, but I'll be doing my running the scoreboard thing, and we're doing the duck toss game again, which Aubrey and Jen are going to come. They're going to help me. So that's pretty sweet. Okay. Um, and then I have a fundraiser. Yeah, I'm also right. planning. It's going to be October twenty first at Westside Bowl, from noon to midnight ish. Okay. Um, we're gonna have bands. You could pay ten dollars to see the bands. You could go bowling for three bucks a game. There's gonna be a costume contest. There's gonna be fifty fifty. There might be an um. Art raffle, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be good. I'm exhausted. I know. <laughs> this is kind of so starting to read exhausted. like the morning announcements a little bit here. We're just well, like lo- like our line items, you yeah, know. Yeah. 
But I would definitely recommend that while uh, the while I am not in town, everyone go to the Derby bout. <laughs> Keep me company. No, it's it's a good time. Yeah. And if you've never watched Derby, it's a good opportunity to watch some good Derby because it's a double header. Oh, really? So double the fun. That's cool. Yeah. So it's going to be that. nice and long and enter- entertaining. So if you've never That's watched Derby. <laughs> if you've never watched Derby before the first game, you'll learn what Derby is. And the second game, you might get to maybe understand what's happening. You know. I feel like it takes even more than that to really understand what's happening. It that is, was my experience. It is fast, and because you're seated at one spot and they're moving around a track, it can be really hard to like catch what's going on. Specifically, ground level. Yeah. If you were elevated, it'd be so much like easier to watch. In a balcony derby. with yeah. an aerial view, yeah. That's that's one tricky thing about it is at ground level, it's kind of hard to see what's going on. You all right? I got weird burp throat things. She's <laughs> like happening. making weird throat noises tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. The answer is I'm not all right, but it's fine. I'm a normal <laughs> amount of not all right. Um, I've decided that episode 53, so next episode, yeah, will be our one year anniversary. So you and I have to touch bases and decide what we're going to do. Gosh, that's our one year show? Yeah, because it fell between... This episode and that episode. Well, honestly. The date, so. There are 52 weeks in a year. This is our 52nd episode. Yeah. Is that even possible? We must, okay, because we released a bunch early, uh, like in quick succession, and that made up for the weeks we didn't do this show. Yeah. So we basically just perfectly timed out a year That's worth of really episodes. That's really funny. Isn't that weird? Yeah, so I think next week will be the week we do something for it, but I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, me either. No idea. Um, And we played D&D last night. Yes, we did. I like Which to mention was... it when we played D&D. Yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun night. It was. It was a fun night. We uh, we went shopping. Mm-hmm. We hung out with the, uh, uh, with the, what's his name? Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah. They, he's a he's like a shopkeeper. Yep, the most fantastic and fabulous shopkeeper in all the land. Yes, Gilmore. Uh, there was intrigue. There was there was carrots eaten. <laughs> I was gonna say there, there was carrots. Mi- there was mystery solved. Yeah, it's kind of hard to convey exactly yeah. how much fun this is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm really happy way, with our group. On my way out of work yesterday. Before I came to play D&D, someone said, oh, have a good night. Have fun. I was like, oh, I will. I'm going to go play D&D. And they're like, I don't know what that is. And I was almost like, it's a game where grown ass people sit around a table and like <laughs> imagine things together. Yeah. But I didn't say anything because I was already leaving. You should have just told them it was a it's a dark incantations thing where you sacrifice a couple of uh, neighborhood animals and. I at work yeah. Yeah, all right well you know <laughs> i guess you gotta gauge your audience yeah it wouldn't have gone well if i said that to that person yeah she wouldn't have gotten it um i think it's it's time i think it's time yeah i think it's time uh i think it's time to play a game a very special game a game that's near and dear to our hearts would you like to play a game 
Uh, anyway, let's hit the jingle for our favorite game, The Truths and News. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Truths and News. Time to play Truths and News. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing the famous game, famous game, the game that's taken the internet by storm. It's time for Truths and A Merv Griffin production. So there was that. Yep. Our jingle, our famous jingle for our famous game. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Are you ready you for ready this? You ready for this? Actually, yeah. before we start, I should say we got a package from Laura and TJ today that was super hilarious to me. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the, the, when the Laura and TJ were on uh, at last as guests, they accidentally brought one of our little headphone adapter, adapters with them on the way out the door. And so uh, today I open up a package in the mail, and there's the, a little cutout rocket raccoon guy, right, mm-hmm. with the headphone adapter taped to his hand. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really funny. And on the back, it said, I'm sorry that I accidentally stole this or something to that effect. Sorry I accidentally stole this thingy. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I had no idea what it was. I just just like, what? what could they possibly be? Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. So we anyway. appreciate the creativity. Yes, we do. It's, we uh, didn't need the adapter back. Dave's got plenty. But I'm I appreciated speaking, it. Speaking from the experience of someone who had one in her purse for six months. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but we appreciate it, and the joke was extra nice. Yeah. That uh, that made me really happy today. Now are we ready? Oh, yeah. We're ready to play Truths and Fuse, the news quiz game in which you provide me with two false stories, one true story. I have to discern the truths from the news or the true news from the false news. Yes. Yup. Aggressive goats. Wait, hold on, hold on. Are we on number one? We're on number one. Okay. (laughs) I'm starting on number one. Okay. Traditionally. As is tradition. Yes. Aggressive goats with taste for human urine are airlifted out of park. What? That's weird. All right. Second one. New love meter by Amore Industries promises to tell you how you feel even if you don't know. Hmm. All right. And lastly, the green burger solves a non-existent problem. A beef burger for people who wish it were made of vegetables. (laughs) Okay. That's very weird. Let's hear these again. <laughs> First one. Aggressive goats with taste for human urine are airlifted out of park. Sure. Second one. New love meter by Amore Industries promises to tell you how you feel even if you don't know. Hmm. And lastly, the green burger solves a non-existent problem. A beef burger for people who wish it were made of vegetables. That is a non-existent problem for sure. Nobody's like, oh man, I just I really wish this beef tasted like vegetables. <laughs> yeah, it's like I love hamburgers, but why can't they taste more like veggies? If that was a problem, you would just eat a veggie burger. Yeah, but it's for when you want a veggie burger, but you also want it to be meat. That is, I am so skeptical of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got your two read-throughs. Now <clears throat> is the yeah time I know. to make a decision. I think. I think the real story is the love meter. I think love that's meter. it. Yes. 
you're incorrect. No way! Please tell me it's not goats guess? with pee. It's totally the goats. No! Why are goats eating our pee? There are aggressive goats with a taste for human urine. What in the hell <laughs> is going on? Well, I'll tell you. This, I don't like this at all. <laughs> um, let me pull up the dog. Shush dog, go. Go away. He's being a creep. He's making me scratch his thighs right now. And he's he's creeping on us because he wants to steal our precious pee. <laughs> Get out he's of here. Go, an, go away. He's not a goat. <laughs> he, you told him to go away and he just pressed I know, against he didn't, me he more. Didn't even, he didn't even pretend to listen. I'm, he's on my shit list right now. I'm telling you what. It's, he's always on your shit list. Now he's yeah. coming over to you. Um <clears throat> What do you do when hundreds of mountain goats have become so addicted to the salt found in human urine and sweat that they are a deadly menace to national park visitors, charging at hikers and trampling vegetation? Please tell me where this is happening. If you run Olympic National Park in Washington State, 100 miles west of Seattle, the answer is to airlift 375 of the bad-tempered animals slung blindfolded beneath helicopters to more remote areas where they will be less of a nuisance. Like, I just, I just don't understand. The Pacific Northwest is already weird. <laughs> yeah. That's way weirder. Authorities said they expected to shoot another 300 or so that can't be caught. The operation began this week. Crews equipped with tranquilizer darts and nets captured goats from ridges and rocks within the park before being airlifted to a staging area. From there, they were being driven to another part of the North Cascades, a mountain range stretching to Canada, and airlifted in crates before being released back into the wild. Uh, Jesse Plumage, U.S. Forest Service wildlife biologist, said mountain goat relocation will allow these animals to reoccupy historical range areas in the Cascades and increase population viability. Uh, goats are often blamed for environmental damage, chomping and trampling their way through sensitive vegetation, in this case, they were introduced to the area almost a century ago before the park was established and before unwary walkers took to strolling the hills. Mm -hmm. The result has been a string of complaints about menacing goats. And in 2010, a 63-year-old walker bled to death after being gored by a 370-pound male mountain goat. Oh, shit. It had followed within five or six feet of Bob Boardman for as much as a mile, according to rangers. The animal was apparently known as troublesome, and in the aftermath, park officials urged walkers not to urinate along trails <laughs> to avoid turning paths into long, linear salt licks <laughs> and attracting goats. They have a taste for salt and minerals in human urine and sweat on clothes and backpacks, according to officials. The goal of the relocation is to transport 100 goats by September 24th and the rest by some point next year. So if you are in the Pacific Northwest and you go to Olympic National Park in Washington State, just watch out for those angry piss goats. 370-pound goat. Yeah. Can you imagine that thing That's a big old coming goat. after you for your pee? Do you want to see a picture of a mountain goat dangling from a helicopter? You know what? I do. <laughs> That's what I thought it would look like. <laughs> Although its yep. legs are kind of all like wacky and akimbo. A little bit. It's got like a little bend yeah. in a couple of them. <laughs> it's not exactly how I expected it to look. I don't know why. I guess I just pictured them like plastic dolls where you just wrap <laughs> around their middle and they stay in perfect position <laughs> and just lift and go. Yeah. 
yeah, that would be that'd be unrealistic yeah, to expect. So that's a real one. I don't, I don't stump <clears throat> you. You stumped me. I, um, man, I am so disappointed that that's a real thing. <laughs> I really am. I don't like the idea of anything acquiring a taste for human pee. Aggressive goats with a taste for human urine. You know, it just seemed like the right <laughs> one to use, considering what last episode was about. Yep, and you had to know I was never going to guess that one. <laughs> I I didn't know what you would do. Not in a million years. I always try to make them all just believable enough. Yeah, that one is unbelievable in any scenario. <laughs> Man, if that was fake and I made that up, I would be fucking proud of myself. Because <laughs> that's bizarre. You know, one thing we have borne out consistently by doing this segment is that truth is, in fact, stranger than fiction sometimes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Especially when you're searching it out. Yeah. 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 Anyway, you got me. We got a little middle seggy. Yeah, let's talk about it. What's your, what's your middle segment? What do you got? It took me a while to come up with something, but I decided to go where I always go when I need a little inspiration. Okay. And that's Cracked. Oh, boy. I love Cracked. So first, a fun fact that I learned on Cracked, and then a related article. A fun Cracked fact? A fun Cracked fact. All right. Pirates wear eye patches. Do you know why they wore eye patches? You know, I always assumed it was because they were missing eyes and stuff, but now I feel like you're about to tell me pirates had two perfectly working eyes. Well, I mean, it just seems like a whole lot of people missing <laughs> eyes. Like, not everyone can be missing an eye, right? Like, I guess so. So, what people have um, suggested is that pirates moved between dark and light quite a bit because they'd go to, like, below deck of the boat and have to do whatever down there and then go up into the sunlight and it can be difficult to adapt to the light changes but if you wear an eye patch over one eye one of your eyes has already adapted to the dark so you're already a little bit ahead of the game wait a minute is this for real it is for real really yes it works, and Mythbusters apparently did an episode on it. <laughs> okay, so what? So the idea is if you keep one eye covered, then going <sighs> up and down from dark to light, you just adjust faster? Yeah, because that eye <clears throat> is already adjusted. So how's the, the the uncovered eye know this? I don't know if you just, like, cover the other eye or whatever, and you just... Oh, like use the one that's adapted to the dark or what you do or if how exactly it helps. But apparently it does help. You're like partially adjusted to the darkness. I don't know if it helps your brain adjust faster because one's already adjusted. So it just kind of sends a signal to the other eye. I don't know. Okay, now that I'm thinking about it. But it it, helps. I guess if one eye is always covered and then just when you go below deck, you just uncover that eye. And then before you go up, you cover it again. I can kind of see that working. Yeah. I mean, you might not have the best depth perception. No. But. You'd have have none, in fact. Yeah. (laughs) But you don't need that. I guess you don't. Everything's pretty far away. It's not necessary. Yeah. I mean, sword fights, you don't need that for sword fights. I'm guessing you probably uncover both eyes if you're about to fight a guy. Probably. Yeah. That's a fair bet. 
But then you kn- they know you have both eyes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then all your mystique is blown because they know you never did anything to warrant losing an eye over. <laughs> All your badassery is revealed as so, yeah, uh, a front. So yeah, that's apparently the answer behind why pirates are always depicted wearing an eye patch. Huh. It's not because they're all missing eyes. I uh, I did not know that. Interesting. So from there, I was like, well, maybe I should learn more about pirates. Okay. I so dig I it. found an article on Cracked that was the seven most terrifying pirates from history. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Um. And I'm just going to read their little, like, descriptions because Cracked is so good at that. Number seven is Francois Laolonais. And it's Francois Laolonais eats a fucking heart. Holy shit. (laughs) Okay. And I'm just going to kind of, like, lightly summarize these if I can. So uh, Francois Laolonais hated Spain. Basically, he was almost killed by some Spanish raiders and then did everything. Everything in his power after that to fuck over Spaniards. He uh, just like hated dude Spain. Dude had a grudge. Um, he captured a group of like he went aboard a Spanish ship and he beheaded everyone on the ship except one man and sent him back with a message saying, "I shall never henceforward give quarter to any Spaniard whatsoever." <laughs> they posted a picture of him at this point. And underneath the quote was, yeah, we sort of got that from the beheadings. Thanks. Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like when you say Spaniard a certain way, it sounds like a slur, doesn't it? I mean, only when you're talking about a guy who hates them. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like if a guy's like, I don't want any Spaniard. Yeah, you're like, ooh, easy, buddy. Easy with the Spaniard word. Hey. (laughs) Yeah, dial it back, bud. Um. So, yeah, he made a reputation for himself for hating Spaniards. But then he almost got his because there was, like, a Spanish armada kind of thing coming for him that he wasn't going to be able to fight. But he did capture one of the boats. And in order to get away, like, he needed an alternate route, but he didn't know one. So he needed to convince the... Spanish soldiers on the boat to like get him another route. So he ripped someone's heart out and was like, I'll do the same to you if you don't get me out of here. And then they escaped. That's pretty good. Then he, well, he ate it too. He ripped it out and he ate it (laughs) and was like, I'll do the same to you. I was going to say, I think the, the really critical part, yeah. Is eating a man's heart right out yeah, of his chest. Yeah, he drew his sword, sliced into one Spanish prisoner's chest, pulled out the heart with his hands, and began to bite and gnaw it with his teeth like a ravenous wolf, saying to the rest, I will serve you all alike if you show me not another way. Yeah. Nice. So that's a thing that he <laughs> did. Um, Super intimidating. Yeah, probably don't do that. Yeah. Um... Okay, so you knew a little bit of French. Um, the last name L A F I T T E. How would you pronounce that? I'm not not really sure. Lafitte. Would it be Lafitte or Lafitte? Lafitte. That depends sounds more if there's French. an accent. Well, there's not, but it's also cracked, so I don't know if they meant to leave an accent out or there just isn't an accent. I don't know. No offense to cracked. They just mean like then seems like something you might not be able to put. 
in. Anyway. Um, what? I don't, I don't the know. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Keyboards. I'm not sure. Something. <laughs> okay. Um, John, Jean Lafitte tells King George to suck it. Mm. A lot of people told King George to suck it. Yeah. Um, he was basically, Jean Lafitte is basically a pirate king. He led an entire pirate island in Louisiana, capturing ships and smuggling stolen goods into New Orleans. He was so successful that when the governor of Louisiana offered a $300 price for his capture, back when 300 bucks was like half the national budget, he responded by offering a $1,000 reward for the capture of the governor. Okay. So the governor is like, get this pirate. And the pirate is like, double it, add some, get the governor. <laughs> okay. Um, so the media and our authorities painted him as an evil mastermind, dangerous mass murderer, um, the Osama bin Laden of the 1800s. But then um, his reputation spread across the Atlantic because he was approached by the British and handed a letter signed by King George III, basically saying, hey, join our side. And also, if you don't, we're going to, like, destroy your island and shit. So you don't have a choice. You're joining our side. So he went and he warned the Americans that the English were coming. And... um they, the United States responded by destroying his island, but he still kind of helped them and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, so that was him. Okay. Around. Oh, that's what it was. Um, yeah, they, they tried to destroy his island, but Andrew Jackson was like, no, because they thought he was lying. Andrew Jackson was like, I don't think he's lying, bros. Yeah. We need to, like, take this seriously, so... Pretty sweet. So I'm just going to, I think I'm going to stop there. Okay. We're already going a little long. Maybe another time I will do some more of these pirates. I, I think I missed in there Tell where more. he told him to suck it. Because he said no. He wasn't going to do that. Oh, he wasn't okay. going to. Um, I was sorry. expecting him to be. I was expecting him to actually suck be it. like, and by the way, suck my dick. No. Well, he was told <laughs> by the king, join us. Betray the Americans. Yeah. And if you don't, we'll destroy all your shit. So it wasn't really a choice, but he was like, fuck you, no. <laughs> That's where he said suck it. He oh. was like, suck it. Yeah. I'm telling the Americans it was that the, you're coming. The implicit suck it. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to tell someone to suck it. There is. And one of them is by telling the people you plan to attack that you plan to attack them. Another way is by ripping his heart out of his body and eating it. That was one guy's way, yes. Yeah, that's that's one way to say, hey, it's suck it. It's one way to suck it. <laughs> well, it's one way to say suck it. No, it's also a way to suck well, it. I guess he actually sucked his heart So yeah. while he was, you know, chewing it up and eating it. This is good. <laughs> this feels good. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I'm done with the metal segment now. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'll leave the rest of those for another time. I really, I like, I like pirate stories. I feel like, weren't we just recently talking about, talking about pirates? Yes, I think so. 
Like we were, we, we very recently were like, yeah, we got to talk about pirates. I think also it might have been something someone even suggested for the the show. Possibly. Yeah. The byline on that is Eric Yosamono, Jean Flynn, Jean mm-hmm. Flynn. I think two people. Ah. So that was written in 2011. If anyone wants to go look that up, credit where credits due. Yeah. It's all there. Thanks, cracked. You're my favorite statements. thing. My favorite thing to read in the bathtub. <laughs> That's very specific. That's, That's like what I read in the bathtub. That's true. You do. I don't really know why. I don't know. It's easy to process. They're usually funny. Yeah. Satirical. Yeah, I Not love too heavy. I love you mentioned it. The captions for the images. Oh, they're always so good. Whoever writes, I feel like someone writes the captions. Yeah, and then you know they apply them to other people's articles because they're always like a consistent sensibility. Yeah, yeah. I'm yawning again. I'm sorry. Oh, awesome. All <sighs> right. <laughs> um. Well, do you want to take a little burk burk? I think it's time for a little burk burk. Okay, we'll take a little burk burk. And uh, we will be back in a minute with the main segment of the episode. All right. Stick around. So we are back with the main segment. Would you like to introduce this or would you just like me to roll with it? Um, I'll introduce it, but first I broke Chris's headphones. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think to mention it, but five seconds ago as I was putting them on and I feel really bad. It I'm is, going to replace that them. That is super not your fault. You shouldn't be able to pick them up, pull them wide enough to put on your head, and then they just break like that. It doesn't seem like a thing that should happen, it but should it not. happened. And I'm still the responsible party, so I'm going to replace him. Yeah, it's a lame thing. I was horrified. Did you see the look on my face? Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) You looked like you had been mortally wounded. I stopped. I just froze. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like like I could have been like, okay, what's behind me? What are you looking at? Right. I just froze, and I was like, oh, shit, I broke them. And then I looked, and I had, in fact, broke them. That Broken sh- them. They should not be able to break like that. It's okay. Yeah. We'll replace it. It'll them. be okay. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Falun Gong is the topic. Yes. And my understanding, so this was a topic suggested by Mel. That's right. And then, um, you know, on Facebook, the Humans of New York posts will pop up every now and then. Sure, yeah. So there was one about someone whose family was a part of Falun Gong and they were like pushed out of China. 
mm-hmm. because of their involvement in Falun Gong. And I was like, oh, I remember hearing about that. So Falun Gong is kind of like a dance troupe slash movement and also maybe cult uh, that China hates. Uh, ish. I don't know. <laughs> Not exactly. It it seems but China like, definitely hates them a lot. It seems like a lot of things and very confusing. It is pretty confusing. I think this whole concept, like what they are, is confusing to us, like specifically as Americans, because like there's not a lot of things we have that are like this. Yeah. Um, but you're right. China really hates them, and it's uh, uh this is a heavy one because China really, really hates them. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what Falun Gong is and some history and uh, a little bit about what's going on today. This is a bumpy one. Fair warning. Am I? Uh, so I wrote that uh, there's a lot about Falun Gong that will sound familiar to you. Um, if you know, basically, so Falun Gong to start to describe it is that it's sort of like a specific Buddhist tradition. Mm hmm. It shares a lot if you if you want a basic starting point. Similar to Tai Chi, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is if you want a basic starting point from like, you know, our perspective, think Tai Chi. You know, when you see people sort of making these rhythmic slow movements together in a park somewhere. It's like really slow martial arts. Yeah. A lot about positions and like Breathing the way that you, and Yeah, the way you move your body and uh the sort of like mindfulness stuff. That's it's a, like that's a meditation basic meets martial arts if the martial arts are real slow down and there's no physical contact. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> My mom used to do Tai Chi. Did oh, really? you know that? I did not know that. I took an art class and my mom took a Tai Chi class at the same time in the same building, like right, same people ran it. Okay. They like hired someone to teach art. And then the owner taught the Tai Chi class. Mm-hmm. It was a place on Meridian Avenue. It okay. was, it was or Meridian Road, Meridian Road. It was weird, but they were very nice people. Yeah, <laughs> but well, they taught all kinds of stuff there. It definitely seems it's like one of these things that seems strange to us for a lot of reasons. There's like not a lot of Western things that are similar in any way. Yeah, like I all think that's true. all of these slow moving thoughtfulness kind of peaceable ways to express yourself all yeah. seem to come from the east. The the only physical contact there was was like um, they had these massage rollers, like these just like plastic cylinders, kind of like a rolling pin, but they had ridges on them, and you would like massage someone's back with it. Oh, okay. And I just remember, like, I was in the class with my mom one day for whatever reason. Like, art class is canceled or whatever, so I was there. So I was just doing Tai Chi. <laughs> and I was a child. Right. And so we were doing the massage thing, and they're like, press harder. And I was like, I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is the maximum pressure I can contribute. <laughs> like, this is weird. You're, like, 53. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that strange. Um, <clears throat> so I, I said there's a lot about it that will sound familiar. Um, uh, basically, uh, they put a, importance on meditation, spiritual enlightenment, reincarnation, giving things up, including your attachments, the value of enduring hardship and elevating your karma. 
uh, group exercises. Gotta and, elevate that karma. Right. Um, and uh, group exercises and slow-moving energy exercises. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so basically a lot of this people should recognize. Um, <clears throat> Falun Gong is, it associates itself with three important virtues, right? So these are like, outside of the physical stuff to do with your body and the exercises, there's also like three, like, virtuous, you about to sneeze? <laughs> I got it. You, ca- you literally caught it in your nose. I did. <clears throat> <clears throat> the, the three virtues they're concerned with are truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the importance of them is to practice them and improve your moral character for the purposes of getting closer to enlightenment. Um, Fa- Falun Gong practitioners believe that by doing good deeds and by suffering, you build virtue. And by building your v- virtue and decreasing karma, which... Fun note, karma is bad here. There's like not oh, good okay. karma. Karma's all bad. So you want to elevate your karma, but you want to decrease it. You kind of, you want to, you want to get the bad karma out of there, but it seems like karma's all bad. So I, I think I had a hard time talking about this accurately. <laughs> um, <laughs> karma's bad. Um, virtue is good. Uh, and by doing this, you can achieve Tao, right? Which there is an overlap here with Taoism. Which is really interesting to me. This is like another thing. Like, so many of these concepts are so foreign to me mm-hmm. that it's like even trying to skim the surface of them is like really weird. Yes. Um, <clears throat> defining Tao seems to be very difficult, and the word has so many meanings. There's there's like at least thirty nine meanings of this word, right? That it gets difficult to dis- discuss. Um, it has literal meanings like a road or a channel or a path. It has abstract meanings, like principles or doctrines. Um, Then there's really high-level philosophical meanings, like the right way to exist or the true nature of the universe or the underlying order, which allows you to experience wisdom. Like like this simple one monosyllabic sound has a lot of meanings. Um, It's kind of like used like Nirvana. I'm not sure because I think, well, I don't really understand Nirvana not that the well band. either. Right. Right. We know you understand Nirvana the band well. Yeah, well enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I just feel like Tao is like a big deep pond I can't see into. It's this big concept that is like very kind of new to me, right? All right. Um, so. I wrote down, but I won't discuss them all. There's basically five specific exercises that are relevant to Falun Gong. They're like these five different movement exercises. And they have really interesting names like uh, the Buddha stretching a thousand arms, which I wrote basically looks like dabbing. Um, Or the Falun standing stance, which looks like holding a wheel and moving it around. I don't know. But these five movements are always done in a particular order. Before the fifth position, which is a sitting position, it's like that mm-hmm. lotus position, mm-hmm. um, at which point you should stay there as long as possible and meditate, right? All right. So it's like a little warm-up to lead into a meditation. Yeah, right. It's the, <clears throat> it's sort of like the stuff you do to, so like the, they they have purposes, like, you know, pushing your bad chi out or allowing good energy to move around your body. Like they, they have specific purposes and then you meditate. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, 
actually. It's it's just interesting to think about doing movements to prepare your mind for something. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it it kind of makes sense because <clears throat> there's a lot of like, there's a lot of other things that use that same idea. Yeah. It's not just, I mean, that's kind of what yoga is too. Like right. yoga and meditation go hand in hand a lot of times and it's, that whole concept of chi and the breathing and getting your mind in like the right headset, headset, and I'm the right headset. got headsets on the brain, oh, no. uh, in the right headspace to be able to like clear your mind and do yeah a meditating thing. I think you're right. There's a lot of traditions that like connect the body and the mind in that way. Yeah. Again, like a lot of Eastern traditions. Yeah. Not so much in the West. No, we're not very connected to our like yeah bodies in a spiritual way. I think as a whole in the West, we frequently think of our body and our brain as these totally separate things, and like the body's just the tool <clears throat> to move the brain around, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's just very interesting to me. We also, I think, we take a lot for granted in the West. We we take our bodies for granted. We don't really like. You're damn right about appreciate that. Appreciate them, right? <laughs> Yeah. We don't focus very much on them. Right. I mean, unless you're like meticulous, like one of those one of those people that their body is their business. Right. Yeah. I've I've done some exercises before to like help me fall asleep and stuff where I would like tense every muscle in my body, but you do it like starting at your toes and then tense for 10 seconds and relax and then move all the way up and do like every muscle group. Yeah. And then by the end of it, you're just relaxed and you can just like fall asleep easier does that work it helps a little bit it helps if you do it like consistently yeah but it's just like forcing your body to relax so then your mind can relax okay um but it's the same it's a similar kind of concept yeah. just you know if your body feels one way it's easier for your mind to feel one way like if everyone's on the same page yeah sure you know yeah yeah, we don't do that as much in the West, but there's a lot of Eastern traditions that do. Um, so that's okay. So that's basically what Falun Gong is about in a nutshell. There's more specifics, um, but I want to start on history. All right. <clears throat> so Falun Gong is part of a broader movement in China, which is the uh, the Qi Gong movement. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, this is. A lot of different practices that tend to involve the slow movement and the meditation and the regulated breathing. There's a lot of things like this. Um, but their history as like movement as a movement in China is really interesting to me. Um, Qigong started in the 1950s in China. Um, and interestingly enough, it was started as a like a scientific endeavor. Okay. We tend to think of stuff like this as a religious endeavor or a, a spiritual. spiritual endeavor. They thought of it as a scientific approach. Hmm. Um, the Chinese, you know, communists were looking for ways to improve health that weren't like religious in nature. Um, so Qigong is seen as like medicine and they were looking for ways to heal people and to demonstrate the value of that healing. Uh, very interestingly in the 1970s, they eventually claimed to have discovered the physical existence of Qi. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not true. Um, but they... They claim to have found it, like a chi molecule, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. a, but uh, but that's not that's not true, but it is fascinating. Um 
<clears throat> excuse me. It reminds me a lot of this whole thing reminds me of the Dharma Initiative in Lost, right? Like you have all these sort of like I have a confession. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched all of Lost. No, I know you haven't, but but, <laughs> but you know the confession to our fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they will forgive you. Um maybe. I did also break Chris's headphones, oh, so we're, we're <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the bad girl Christy era of the show. <laughs> this is where Christy goes around busting stuff. Break stuff. <laughs> Don't watch Lost. So bad. Deal with it. I'm a real rebel mom. Attitude. (laughs) Gonna wear all black. (laughs) Gonna find some bondage pants again. (laughs) Again? (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're out. I wore those. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's not good for clumsy people. So... Let me talk about Qigong again for a second and say that there were like 2,000 different Qigong traditions going on at this time. Like different like 2, separate different traditions. Things calling themselves the same thing? They're all different approaches to some kind of mind-body movement medicine. Oh. All distinct. <clears throat> That's hmm. a lot. It seems very <clears throat> confusing. Um, there were so many of them that the uh, China Qigong Science Research Society was established by the government to try and keep up with all the different groups and movements. Um, Keeping up with the Qigong. Yeah, they really had to. I mean, <clears throat> you kind of have to think they were like kind of freaking out just a little bit because it's like this is a massive movement that they that they realized they weren't even keeping proper track of and had to mm. like d- designate an office to do it. Is this spelled X I space G A N G? Okay, Q-I- I always forget what makes the chi sound. It's yeah. Q. That's right. Um, I'm gonna That's get, right. I'm gonna pronounce everything wrong this episode. <laughs> He's everything. doing it on purpose. No, there's gonna come a point where it's like you, uh, people who know better are gonna be like, "You idiot." Uh, it's okay if you remember the episode on reptilians. I pronounced David Ike's name David Ick That's the right. whole time. I know. <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's kind of how it goes when you only know something from reading about it. You know. Yeah, but also to be fair. David Ick. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Icky, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, so, 1992. There's this guy. His name is Lee Hong Shi. He gives his first public talk about what he is calling Falun Gong. Actually, at the time, he's calling it Falun Dafa. Uh, okay. He claims to have been taught by masters of the uh, Qigong, you know, movement. He's learned a lot of lessons. And he's distilled these down into the core teachings of Falun Dafa, right? Here's another thing, though. He doesn't see his movement. He doesn't see Falun Gong as a part of Qigong. He thinks it's broader and it's bigger and its objective is totally different. So you have all these Qigong people that are all about gaining better health and, like, also special powers, maybe, right? (laughs) Like, this, like, the end goal. Sounds right. Yeah, it's like the end goal of all these Qigong, you know, things is like heal yourself, but also maybe you get magic powers. But also be a god? Yeah, possibly. (laughs) Just a little bit. I mean, that's what Scientology is all about. Yeah, right. I mean, okay, so, but for him, it's not about this. For him, he's mostly concerned with the purification of the heart and spiritual salvation. Okay, so he's more about the chi. 
Yeah, and well, and he basically, it's actually sort of, it is, it is fairly religious he's, at the core of it. He's keeping the chi in qigong. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> man. I, I can't, I'm not even prepared to respond to that because now I'm like, okay, well, what is what exactly? You know, understanding what exactly chi is is even you know a part of this. That's I did, I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Um, Chi is like life's force, basically. Yeah, it's like your your spirit, your essence, your energy, mm-hmm. life force. Um, I I wrote that there's something in here that would be really spooky to a big world power watching all these mystics running around. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, something has come along that isn't interested in the short term and practical. It's about, like, creating a better social order. It's about something, like, transcendent. Oh. Right? Um, When people come along talking about stuff like that, if enough people listen, you have a big mess on your hands. I wrote, ask the Romans. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Because it's like, there's, this is no longer just about wellness. It's like, be a better person. And, you know, and this is the way. Well, you start talking about enlightenment and being a better person and you start looking at your surroundings and going, well, something's wrong with them and the way things are going. Right. Maybe things aren't communist all... government didn't like that. I'm sure that's, that's where I started to see this going. Right. Um, <clears throat> so by 1993 now, it's like a year later, there is a branch of the Qigong research society that, uh, that government office, Called the Falun Dafa Research Society. So they're like one of thousands of chapters of the agency designed to mm-hmm. track the Falun Gong, right? Uh, Li Hongxi is regarded as the leader. And by managing this branch, they're basically legally allowed to practice like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falun Gong gets a really big following really fast. Uh, by 1999, like we're talking like eight or seven years since it launches. It is recorded that there are 28,263 Falun Gong exercise sites in the nation of China. Like across the whole country, 28,000 places to go and, and practice. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> they they differentiate themselves from other Qigong groups, like I said. And uh, for a short while, uh, Li does take payments for lectures and, and things, but mostly just donates the money that he makes. Um Eventually, in 1994, he declares that it must remain free, that it's too important to charge for. No one should ever be able to make money on Falun Gong. Um, Very interestingly. So, I'm sorry, before you start that Mm -hmm. next thought there. When I hear stuff like that, it's generally a good sign to me that, like, this is not necessarily insidious. I agree. And it's not a cult because one thing that cults do is like a they want to alienate you Mm -hmm. and they tend to keep their information under wraps and a lot of times they want your money to give it to you yeah that's like one of the signs that maybe you don't want to be a part of a group right aka something like scientology where they only feed you bits and pieces at a time and it costs you dearly yeah right when i like hear of a group that's like no no i want this to be out there because i want people to know about it 
Right. That, I think that's a positive sign. I do, too. And I didn't even mention it earlier, but it's also really important in Falun Gong to be a member of society. Like they're okay. like you kind of you unless you're like like a very specific like like monk or something like that. They you, don't want you sequestered off away from people. You have to have a job. You have to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you should you you should be integrated to society in every possible way. OK. So speaking of isolation, they don't do that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, What's really interesting to me about this whole thing happening in 1994 is that not only should does he declare it should be free, he makes the teachings available on the internet. That's a really big deal. Yeah. China still doesn't have a great relationship with the internet. Yeah. And I think that there is something to learn about that from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, 94. All the teachings are out there. This becomes there's there's increasing pressure from the government to or on the Falun Gong to get them in line with the Communist Party, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of like they're playing by the rules, but they're not really like buddy buddy, you know? Yeah. Um. I I re- will it really surprise you to learn that Lee Hung Shi is not interested <laughs> in becoming an apparatus of the Communist Party. Yeah. Um. He resists. He um, resists other competing Qigong masters who think that he's undercutting them. Because mm-hmm. interestingly, all those people are like, "Well, people won't join up with me because they're getting this for free." Yeah. No. <laughs> Who's gonna buy the milk if they're getting the cow for free? Is that how it works? <laughs> I something wow, like that. Wow, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, no one's going to want what I'm teaching because you're teaching something similar and you're just giving it away, buddy. Yeah. But, of, of course, that's the other thing is all these – all this, this is a business to everyone except him. Yeah. Which is really interesting. He, he is kind of well, undercutting that, an economy. That speaks to the difference of his being a spiritual practice and lifestyle. Yes. And there's being – a scientific or medical practice yeah. that they're profiting from. I mean, it says everything you need to know about <laughs> where his priorities are and where everyone else's are. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I basically wrote, he starts to sound like a hero to me <laughs> around this point, you know? Yeah. Um, but by 96, they hit the last straw. Um, the Falun Gong officially withdraw from the CQRS office, which also means it's not legal to practice. Mm. Uh, they try to register with other government entities, but they don't succeed. Um, basically, this is all part of a larger movement, which is that the Communist Party starts to find the overall influence of the Qigong groups in general is too great. Um, so China cracks down, basically, specifically on Falun Gong. Um the insiders in the Communist Party focus on them, and by June 96, there's there's a coordinated coordinated series of attacks in state-run newspapers. Um, uh, you know, first one, then many, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they call uh, they call uh, the, the book that uh, that uh, oh God, <laughs> what the hell is his name? Uh, Li Li Hongxi, right? Mm-hmm. So they call this book. Uh, essentially pseudoscientific garbage peddled by a swindler. I um, mean, he's not claiming to be scientific. Right. Um, I'm I'm so far 
and this story can turn at any minute because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I'm so far not offended by anything that he has done. It doesn't seem like he's telling anyone they're going to be cured of cancer. Right. That I know of from their practices. It seems like it's all like, no, this will like get your head right kind of thing. It's yeah, it's I mean, there's there is an emphasis on the body, but it's primarily <clears throat> in service to like preparing your mind and 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 also servicing these other virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have a very limited understanding of it, so I'm portraying this to you the way I understand it. But yeah. but it, I agree with you. It seems very so different. So far up to this point, I'm on board. It right. doesn't seem pseudoscientific because from what you've told me, it doesn't sound like he's making any claims that I wouldn't believe you can get from doing these things. Like, well, I think I think in there, there's I do think there's also claims of like improving your bodily health. It's I think it's still in there. I think it's just not his focus. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think it's you have to have a certain amount of similarity, you know, to be a, considered a Qigong group in the first place. Yeah. I think that that had to be an element of, like, do these exercises and improve your physical yeah, health, the, you know? The thing about claims like that, it kind of depends on how extreme they are. If it's, like, do these exercises and you won't get cancer or you'll cure cancer, that's obviously not good. Right. But if it's, like, hey, do these exercises, it'll be, like, good for your body and... You'll stay limber and you you might have some positive benefits because you're doing exercises every day. Right. Like that, I'm like, yeah, fine. That makes sense. Yeah. It yeah. kind of depends on where the line is drawn and what the claims are. I agree with that. Um, so anyway, lots of conflict starts. People, you know, Qigong followers are very upset or, uh, you know, Falun Gong followers. Um there's protests, there's demonstrations. This basically continues to ratchet up over the course of, you know, like three years, from 96 to 99. Mm-hmm. Um, by 1999, and this is really interesting, there are, the Chinese government estimates there are 70 million Falun Gong practitioners. They estimate at the same time that there's 58 million members of the Communist Party. <laughs> so the Falun Gong outnumber the Communist Party by 12 million. Hmm. That's a problem for them, right? Yeah. Um, this is really, really bad news to be outnumbered. Um, so basically, um, after two protests in, mm-hmm. uh, in two cities uh, in April 1999, uh, Zheng, Zheng Zemin, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I got that wrong, the party's general secretary at the time, uh, writes a letter saying that he wants Falun Gong defeated. He believes that uh, Premier Zhu Rongji has handled it too softly, and mm-hmm. he believes that Li Hongxi, who has since emigrated to the U.S., is coordinating social unrest in China over the Internet. So Hongxi's left at this point. Mm-hmm. He's gone to several different countries. He's no longer welcome in China. Basically, it's... It's seen as competitive with Marxism as the party interprets it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes an official priority to do something about the Falun Gong. I guess I'm not grasping entirely why the mindset of Falun Gong would <clears throat> be so 
detrimental to communism? Yeah, I I think they they see well they basically just see a significant so like true Marxism doesn't really leave any room for re- religious for thought. For the me. Yeah, well, for the me and for religious thought and for, you know, like it's religion is seen as uh, you know, counterproductive to true Marxism. So it's just like too independent thinking. Yeah. Too much focus on you and not enough focus on the whole now that this, you're supposed to be a part of. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And it's also like this is also kind of just like how the Chinese Communist Party is is interpreting Marxism, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think communist countries in different places have interpreted these things differently. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's it it is seen as a threat to them on an ideological level. Okay. And also just, you know, people start to kind of, you know, when when they think that enlightenment is is, you know, a possibility and that there's when they when they do sense that there's a better possible version of the world than the one they're living in, I think that does create a problem for Okay. like a centralized government. Yeah. People start <coughs> questioning things. Right. Um so basically, um the <clears throat> What follows is, I I think, is hard to interpret in any other way uh, than as a severe case of human rights abuses. Mm-hmm. And this is where the story starts to take a pretty dark turn. Um, again, this was 99 when they decided to, to start doing something. Uh, I, I wrote, people are still trying to figure out exactly what it was that, I forgot I wrote this down, so maybe we could talk about this now. But why exactly Jiang Zemin had it out for the Falun Gong? You know, and and what the threat was. We just talked about it a whole bunch. Here's some other people's theories. Um, the the you know the Chinese government has historically seen religion as subversive, like we said. So Falun Gong is kind of a threat there. Um, but then some people also argued it was just a convenient excuse for him to pull rank. Mm-hmm. You know, just to like pick an issue and and figure out who which people were going to follow him on it. Mm-hmm. Um. Some have pointed to a very basic jealousy as a motivation, just that people had found something that was, you know, more interesting to them than the the party itself. Um, They're more into this than my communism. Yeah, I think it's kind of a I think it's kind of a weak argument, but people have floated it. Um, but anyway, yeah, as as we discussed, I really think the raw numbers are the big story. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, what follows is the abuse of lots and lots of people on a pretty big scale. Um, by the year 2000, China has a full program in place designed to rehabilitate practitioners of Falun Gong. Rehabilitate in quotes. I just want to quickly say that maybe the problem is that they're afraid everyone will be enlightened and turn into demigods and overthrow the government. Demigods. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. They'll have powers and stuff. You know, superpowers, flight, laser vision. Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, this, basically, this rehab program is just torture. Mm-hmm. It's just torture. Uh, there are labor camps. There is pain administered to get people to recant their beliefs. And uh, more or less, it's it's like... The worst stuff you hear out of Guantanamo Bay. 
You know what will make people stop believing in a thing that is generally positive and not painful? Inflict a lot of pain and tell them that they shouldn't believe in it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why anyone really... I mean, what this is really about is just getting people to shut up, right? Yeah. Ultimately, it's... They just seem like angry bullies who aren't getting their way, so they're just lashing out in the worst possible way. Yeah, there's like never a good way to do this. <laughs> it's generally not a good thing to no, do. There's never a good way to do this thing, uh, torture or no. It just never is a good idea. Um, I wrote that people who refuse to recant their beliefs are allowed to keep uh, or are allowed to be kept in long-term legal education centers is what they call it. I mean, it's shocking to me not just that this happened, but that it happened in the year 2000, and I didn't know about it. Yeah. That's it's not, not long, long ago. ago. No. And I'm just finding this out. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Which I wrote, pay attention to the news. <laughs> pay well, attention to the news. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was 18 years ago. And yeah. there's, I highly doubt this was really on the news here. You know, this is perpetrated by a communist government. I'm sure they did not want this covered. There was information. There's a lot of information about some of the stuff I'm about to talk about that I just think we should all know this. Yeah. And we had we had the opportunity to as well. Um, so the Falun Gong agencies that track this stuff document as many as 63,000 cases of torture. Jesus. Uh, they include every awful thing you can think of. Uh, people die. A lot of them. How many depends on who you ask. Um, human right, rights groups in New York, in the New York Times, uh, report uh, <laughs> in a New York Times report. Human rights groups uh, claim that uh, two thousand people were killed. The Falun Gong uh, sources claim thirty seven hundred. Um, but after Still too many, no matter where that number is. Right uh, now, that's just early on. Yeah. What follows here, and this is the thing I really can't believe that I had no idea about, is a report by David Kilgore, uh, a Canadian MP, and David Mattis, a civil rights attorney. These two guys produced something known as the Kilgore-Mattis Report. Um, I believe it was published in 2006 or seven. I actually didn't specifically note that down. Um they note that from the years 2000 through 2005 in China, the sources of organs donated in 41,500 transplants was poorly documented. Often no case, no trace of this at all. Mm. No trace of where things come from. Um, they spelled out the belief in their report that Falun Gong practitioners were being killed in custody and their organs were being harvested for transplantation purposes. Um, moreover, uh, many people still allege that this, this just blows my mind that it is still happening in China to this day. That's crazy. This is a thing that sounds insane to talk about this. This makes you sound crazy. I think to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys were awarded like not awarded. They were nominated for the Nobel peace prize for this report. This isn't just some, like, crazy out there thing. Yeah. Um, international governments took this very seriously, still do. Um, <clears throat> the w w While the Communist Party in China still deny the report, the rest of the world seems convinced. 
Um, let's see. World governments pressed China for better documentation on those suspect transplants. And what they got back was still unimpressive. Mm-hmm. Still without a whole lot of detail. Um, Kilgore and Matas Matas also have recordings of someone. Um, basically, they were trying to arrange or someone was calling to arrange a transplant in China. Mm-hmm. And the hospital they were speaking to said they could show up anytime they wanted. Pick the date. <sighs> That's not how that works. Right. You don't get to just show up. And we'll have an organ for you. No. Um, and they have they have this on recording. They have evidence of this happening. Um, I also, uh, in following this report, I found that Kilgore had updated his findings in 2016. He found that he had most likely underestimated, based on you know, the information they had available at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he now argues that the government of China had actually taken more like 150,000 or 200,000 organs over that same period of time. What was the original number? That like 54,000? Jeez. Um, no, 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 no. 41,005. Um, the, uh, another journalist who followed up on this, his name is Ethan <laughs> Gitman. He estimates that 60 to 100... This Ethan. Did <laughs> This Ethan. He, he estimates that sixty to one hundred and ten thousand organs are taken in China every year. This is insane, and like, yeah. and like, this isn't like weird conspiracy people talking, you know. I mean, these are like you know top notch reporters and people you know that the international community is taking very seriously, and you know China has even said that they're. You know, they're, they, they've responded in, in, in such a way as to say that they're going to get better about documenting where all this stuff comes from and what's going on. But transplant tourism still happens. Yeah. For enough money, you can still do this stuff. Um, so I, kn- I know I have to kind of wrap this topic up. Um, the, I, I feel like I, I need a whole episode just to talk about this. Yeah. Like, human rights abuses in China probably warrant an entire episode unto themselves. Um, I was pretty overwhelmed by what I found just, like, scratching the surface on this. Um, and it's, as hard as it has been to, to talk about the coercion and the ma- manipulation and the abuse of people, you know, on this show, like, in many different ways, mm-hmm. this is, like, the most savage form of that, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just like crazy to think about this happening on a governmental scale. It, it's just kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also like especially heartbreaking when you juxtapose it against who it's happening to. Right. Because having done a lot of digging into who the Falun Gong people are and what they believe and what they're actually up to. They don't seem it seems like okay. bad people to me, yeah. you know? And They just, like, seem like people who believe in a thing. Yeah. want to do that thing. Well, like, it just seems like they're just, you know, it's not like it's some big scam, like someone's trying to profit off of. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not doing damage to people's lives that I can see. It just, it's like, it's like people exercising in the park. Like, it's so weird to me. That that made them the enemy. 
Imagine if you were exercising in the park and doing your Falun Gong. Yeah. And then government officials were like, fuck you, took you to some kind of camp, tortured you, killed you, and took your organs because you believe in Falun Gong. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I I think it is a particular kind of like head fuck when it's the government. Yes. Because it is a much different form of government than we have. Yep. And so it's even harder to wrap your mind around that. I mean, not to say ours is perfect because by no means. Right. But we do have a lot of religious freedom here. Mm-hmm. That isn't a thing yeah. other places. I mean, just and it's, it's a really about, good thing that we have it. Right. Talking about the fact that you have to be like registered with the government to be approved as a thing that people are allowed to do. Yeah. It, it's just like to just the thought of that to be like, oh, I have to like. I want to believe in a thing and do this practice, but I'm only allowed to do one that is approved by the government? Yeah, like, that's weird. Like, like you can only believe certain things. And I've, I have talked to a couple people from China and knew that as a nation they're not very religious. Yeah. And that person that I talked to wasn't very religious, but didn't really put together why. Yeah. You know, I just didn't really know why. I know that some people are spiritual. Yeah. But a lot of them aren't very religious. And I didn't even think it was because it's a communist government. Like, it just doesn't click in my head because I don't know that. I don't know from experience. Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder what their relationship is now with religion in general. Because it's like China is, is modernizing, you know, a lot of certain things that like. You know, and there are religious groups in China, like there's Christianity in China, because of course right. there's missions that go everywhere. <clears throat> yeah, but, but just, it makes you wonder though, like, 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 is that just kind of tolerated to a point? Is that like carefully managed to make sure it doesn't exceed a certain amount to where it's like threatening? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know either. That that's why I had the question as far as like, I don't know, just why. Why yeah. this group? Why is this such a threat? Why is why does anyone deserve what they're doing? Yeah. I mean, it, it is confusing. What like the I government said, is doing. Like I said, people are still talking about it. You know, yeah. people are still not totally clear. There's some pretty reasonable So when I saw the article, the like humans of New York thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an exaggeration, maybe. I didn't really know what to make of it. Yeah, well... And now hearing this, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, no, like, they, everything they said sounds, like, pretty damn accurate. And maybe even, like, brushing over some major details of what actually happened. Yeah. I mean, basically, so Kilgore and Mattis think... One and a half million people have been killed in this practice. That's insane. It sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> and that was their estimate back in, 
you know, 2000, 2016. Yeah. Remember, they upped their number from, you know, 41,000 ar- organs harvested to six, uh, uh, 150 or 200,000. So multiply that one and a half million by as many as four. Oh, it's geez. unbelievable. Um, and, it, and, it, and you know, I'll kind of slow down and wind up here, but I will say there's more to talk about. There is the fact that Falun Gong practitioners, uh, in their own words, have been placed in prison camps to make the cheap shit we buy here all the time from mm. China. Um, the one guy featured in a documentary, which I really want to watch, and I think maybe we should, it's called Free China. It features uh, David Kilgore. Okay. Um, he recalls being forced to make Homer Simpson slippers in a Chinese prison. Jesus. Uh, hearing him talk about it was so sad because he says, you know, like, I remember watching The Simpsons. <laughs> and then when I'm in prison making, you know, slippers with Homer Simpson's face on them, it's just not, it's not so funny. Yeah. Like, that's so upsetting. Uh, and, and and we and we buy stuff like this and we don't even... We have no transparency into knowing exactly where everything comes from all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I guess I get, so. To really wrap this up, I just kind of want to say that there is an indication that some of this stuff m- may be changing. Uh, the government today argues it has a better system in place where it's possible to trace every organ from its source to its destination with the full consent of willing donors and a donor registry system that was introduced in 2010 has finally caught up. That's what they say. Um, the Washington Post called it a breakthrough for China. If it's actually working the way they say it is, and if that's actually happening, that's really great. But I just, you know, it's it's hard to imagine so it's much has changed in such a short time. easy to be skeptical. Yes. And harder for someone to prove that they've actually changed. Yeah, I think so. The dog just gagged in the background. <laughs> That's okay. Yum. We weren't talking about anything serious, though. <laughs> yeah, just like eat your own fur and then choke. Uh, <laughs> this is good. This is good for the show. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to wrap this up by saying that you know, uh, history takes a long time to move. Um. I think it's really only beginning to dawn on me, like, how much, how much, like, if that can exist in the world and I can have no idea how about How sheltered. It, yeah, like, are. how little do I know? Like, yeah. I'm shocked people aren't constantly talking about this. Here's the thing, and this is a really fucking horrible thing, and I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it before now, too, but... It's not the only really fucking horrible thing that happens. It isn't, but it's but there's something especially grotesque about selling people's body parts. Right. And I, I'm not denying that at all. I'm just yeah. saying I think I I'm saying it as a justification for why it's easy to be sheltered. Yeah. And why so many people don't talk about these things is because there's so many horrible things that happen and so many horrible things and abuses that could be talked about mm-hmm. that especially when you're from a place like the United States and you have all these freedoms and, and yeah, bad shit happens here too. I think it's really easy for people to, we pull the wool over our own eyes and go, no, it's fine. Yeah. No, nothing's happening. 
But I don't even, it's just, it seems weird that I, I hadn't even heard about it. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I would remember I think, hearing about I this. I think they have a pretty effective smear campaign. Maybe. Maybe they do. I, I think they do. Because when I did like a surface level search of them, I saw a contrasting information. And what I didn't see right away was this. Yeah. Me- I saw like cult kind of stuff like you know, scary group bad group yeah that is, that's so funny because it's so not what i found i mean in reading stuff from the washington post the new york times wikipedia and the ted talk delivered by the guys who produced that report i didn't i didn't see anything smear worthy at all you honestly know? going into this topic i was expecting i wasn't expecting this i was expecting yeah, this is like a group that on the surface seems okay, but is really bad and culty, and this is why they got kicked out of China. Not yeah, this. I'll tell you what. Here's the other thing. In saying that, I would be happy to be corrected. Yeah. Because I kind of can see the potential for a lot of misinformation on something like this. So yeah. if someone knows better about this, I would be really glad to hear from them. Yes. But it seems like, and that's the big takeaway for me, and if the, if I could wrap the episode up on one thing, that's what it that's what it would be, is that the Falun Gong thing, just it just seems like... It seems okay. Relatively from, harmless. Yeah, from what you've told me about, it doesn't seem like they were trying to do anything to hurt anybody. No, it seems like a really very sort of... Like a healthy approach, even if it is, in fact, pseudoscientific, and even if it is, in fact, some bogus health claims that can't be, you know, maybe you can't track meditation and specific movements to improving your health or whatever. But fine. No one's being charged for this. Um, all of the actual practices are positive, you know. Yeah. Um, it may be a bit of a deluded belief, but... It seems like a relatively harmless one. And the stuff that people have been enduring as a result is barbaric. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm just real sad. <laughs> yeah. That's me, me too. Incredibly messed up. And I'm ashamed that I hadn't heard of it. I kind of think it's something that we should be we should be aware of. People should be aware of this. If true. People should be aware of this. Mm-hmm. You know, people, uh, you know, international and organizations have found this stuff to be, uh, to be, to have merit. I was going to say, just to be clear, you said if true, it's true. I mean, <laughs> I believe it that seems it's true. like every, everything you saw was credible sources. Governments of the world seem to think so. Um, the United Nations seems to think so. Uh, Kilgore and Mattis are, um, are uh, Canadians. And this was taken up as a uh, as a sort of uh, uh, what do you call it? like a special? Oh goodness, I can't remember. Like a special, special committee kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, like something you know for for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, people take this seriously. Like I, I feel like I sound be. crazy talking about it because it's like if that's true, wouldn't we all know it? Well, I maybe not because I say that all the time. That's yeah. what bent my head about this is. I always say, well, if that crazy thing was true, wouldn't we all know about it? Yeah. Maybe no. maybe not. 
Yeah, it really does fuck with your head a little bit. Yeah. And make you feel like you're buying into a conspiracy. But yeah. in this case, it does sound like there are very credible sources yeah. backing up some very scary claims. So, yeah, in wrapping this up, I think we should know more about this. I think this is something we all should just do the minor amount of homework on. Because it seems really important. And it seems kind of under the rug. Yeah. And that's my takeaway. I've got nothing to add to that. I know. I know. I knew this was going to be a really bumpy episode. Well, it's tough to hear about that. Yeah. It's tough. But I do agree that it's important. So I'm glad that I had you research it and I'm glad that you told me about it. Yeah. And I don't think I'm done reading about this either. I think this yeah, is. Yeah, I don't a, think so. I really either. think this is the beginning of something that I'm going to be doing a lot more reading about for a little while. Yeah. So that's well, guys, it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your episode. Uh, yep. Man, I feel bad. I kind of feel like we had a couple of. Uh, first, we had a really gross episode last week, and now we got a real bummer episode this it week. Can't all be happy. Happy. I'm choosing my own topic for next week. I'm yeah. gonna make it something lighthearted. Please do. Jesus. The yeah. show needs a little bit of levity to it. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we research topics that interest us, and we research topics that people suggest, and sometimes you go down that rabbit hole, yeah. and it's not always pretty. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Yes, so, you're right. I think this show will not necessarily always be fun. But I think it will always be hopefully interesting and sometimes very important. And as as honest as possible, I yeah. think. Yeah. So that does it. The Falun Gong. If you know one, give them a hug. Man, that's fucked up. And honestly, if anyone practices Falun Gong or knows anyone that practices Falun Gong and would like to tell us more about it or correct us if we got something wrong or emphasize something we didn't emphasize, I would really like to hear from someone who knows more about it firsthand. It feels weird because I feel like I poked my head into a different universe and then tried to report my findings. But it's it's a lot of stuff I don't understand. Yeah. You know, so I would be happy to be corrected. Yeah. Um, if anyone knows more on this. Or or if you're not Falun Gong, but you're from China or your family's from China and you know uh, the other perspective of it or what the government said about it or anything you want to share, share it. Yeah. We want to hear about it because this is a foreign concept to us and mm-hmm. – I think you did a really good job on the research, but like you said, there's stuff you just like yeah. aren't familiar with. Yeah. And uh, it, it can be hard to delve into something with so much information that you're not that familiar with. So so send us your comments, your suggestions, <laughs> your hate mail. We're going to talk like country <laughs> bumpkins. That was an accident, or, but I just decided to like keep doing just it. Just going to keep doing it. Send us your comments, your suggestions. Comments. <laughs> and God damn it, if you got some, you got some, you got some email, you send it to us. Got some email? Got some email, you got some email laying around, you send it to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> send us your email, just forward us some coupons from Old Navy. You got please. a bag of email you got to get rid of, you should have done to me and tell you what. 
Yeah. Yeah. God, what am I doing? Send us your group. I just need to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, send us your topics, your suggestions, your comments. Your email inbox in its entirety. <laughs> uh, just forward it to just us. Just forward us all your emails. Uh, goose, <laughs> goose Chase Podcast. Preferably the ones with billing information. Goose Chase Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to another Goose Chase. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 